The Gospel according to St. Matthew, the fifth chapter. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The Gospel of the Lord. of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you. Well, many of you already know this, but it might come as a shock to some of you that you just heard Mike give us God's word. So Jesus has called you to be a disciple in that word. When Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount, it was like he was preaching through a window that was open to our century, was open to our time. So the disciples were at his feet, the crowds were probably pressing in on him, and we're hearing those very same words today. Well, when we read in those words, um, we can read in the first words of John's Gospel that God spoke creation into being through Jesus' creative voice. And so when Jesus speaks disciples into being through the same voice, we know that they've been created. So whether you're a lifelong disciple or you've just been made a few minutes ago when Mike uh, read the gospel, you are sitting at the feet of Jesus on that mountain listening to him speak. So like a good rabbi that he is, Jesus opens his mouth to preach, and he teaches us all through the centuries. The slide, let's see if it's coming up here. That slide is a picture um, that I took from a mountain in Galilee. It's not uh, probably the mountain that he spoke the uh, Sermon on the Mount from, but it's probably pretty close. And so you can see that it's sort of a stony place on top. It was springtime, so it was green, and there were uh, flowers all around. But kind of in the distance there, you can see the uh, Sea of Galilee, and you can see how flat it is. So he would have been up on this hill speaking, and, and all around them, the people would have seen this whole view of Galilee where he would be going and preaching and teaching. 
uh, that doesn't really, we call it the Sermon on the Mount, but um, when we live in the shadow of Mount Rainier and the Cascades, you saw the beautiful Cascades pop this morning. Uh, that term is sort of relative, but um, it's still called the Sermon on the Mount. Um, we went there a couple years ago, like I said, and took this picture. In the next photo, you can see something that might uh, resemble a little bit of what it would have looked like when, when Jesus was <laughs> preaching on the mountain. And I don't mean to put Pastor Bill in that position of Jesus preaching on the mountain, but this is what the Word does, right? The Word is is the same word that Jesus spoke is the same word that we hear today, and it does the very same thing. Um, I, I want to leave the text for just a minute to talk about how Jesus made me into a disciple, if you'll let me. Of course, I was baptized as a baby. Uh, I was probably just a couple months old when I was baptized. And um, I, uh, I was continually made a disciple each time I heard that word, but I didn't drop my nets like Peter, James, and John did and, and follow Jesus right away. It was um, a really slow burn for me. And it happened probably about 12 years ago that the Holy Spirit drove me, here, drove me here to this place right here on the same mountain in Matthew. And you can imagine my relief at these words, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom in heaven. Because all of those years, I felt unworthy to be calling myself a disciple. People would say, oh, you're a follower of Christ. Well, I felt like a fraud because I didn't drop my net and follow. And I, I just couldn't possibly be following Jesus because I was still a sinner. And I hadn't even really read the Bible beyond the Sunday lectionaries. So how could I be a Christian? But do any of those things actually make us a Christian? They do not. Because if you believe the story of the call of Peter, James, and John that we heard last Sunday... Jesus made me a follower the same way that he made them a follower. He called them. He made them disciples. So blessed is the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. St. Augustine was the one that called this the Sermon on the Mount. And in, the, in this first part of the sermon, these Beatitudes, Jesus is showing us the lens that he's going to look through, through his ministry. And he's going to show us who he has special concern for and who we should have special concern for. These people are the crowd that are pressing in on him. They're starving for the bread of life and dying of thirst for his living water. And he's transforming them with the word just like he transforms us today. These are the poor in spirit. They're the meek, the mourners, those despairing the corruption in the world. Jesus' position on the mountaintop and his authority to bless place him in a really high, they call it a really high Christology. Because who can bless and create and do these things other than God? So he is really placing himself uh, in that position because he is God. So just like Jesus is speaking now, that self-same creative word of God that we heard in the uh, first few words of the book of John, Jesus was the was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. This voice spoke, let there be light, and spoke all of creation into being. So Jesus proclaims his blessing, and he makes it so when he says, blessed are. That is a creative word. 
blessed are. He blesses you for being poor in spirit, for struggling and for feeling weak. He blesses you for not being sure of what you believe, for dropping the ball, for the difficulties that you might be having in school or work or in your marriage or with your parents or your kids. He blesses you for that re regretful little TikTok that you just posted. He blesses you for your sickness and your pain and your forgetfulness and your difficulty in walking or in breathing and for your inability to speak maybe and for your despair. You possess the kingdom of heaven right now. This is so countercultural, isn't it, to Americans? We think that we're blessed only when things are going really great. When it, how many times have you heard, oh, thank you, I'm so blessed, when you give a compliment? And in fact, some translations of the Beatitudes replace the word blessed with happy. And indeed, we know God is good all the time, all the time, God is good. And of course, all good things that come to us are blessings. But we don't think about suffering as a blessing, and it certainly doesn't make us happy. But let's look at what the word blessed might have meant to the rabbi Jesus when he was teaching his disciples. The book of Matthew was written in Greek, and we've heard that the Greek word for blessed is makarios. Pastor Bill has taught us a lot on that, that in Greek thought, makarios is the island where the righteous would go after they died. But Jesus was likely speaking in Hebrew or Aramaic on the mountain, and the Hebrew word for blessed is Baruch. He might have been thinking of blessing, or he would have actually been thinking of this blessing through the covenantal Jewish meaning rather than through the Greek lens. The Hebrew word Baruch is closely related to a word that means to bend the knee. So this is the part of the Hebrew mindset that Jesus had in reference to blessings from God. We're kneeling before him in praise and in adoration, in contrition and in sorrow to receive the grace and the mercy of God. The Hebrew word reminds us that we are in relation to God at all times and that God is always with us. God's blessing to Abraham was that he would be a blessing to others, that all nations would be blessed through him, through the generations, and culminating with the greatest blessing of all, our Savior, Jesus Christ, who's talking to us on the mountain. He promised Abraham that he was his shield and his great reward. So I think really in his blessings that um, are proclaimed from the mountain, Jesus is promising his very self. He is promising to be our shield and our great reward in all of our life situations, and that's what he'll be on the cross. He's going to give us his very self on the cross. So the Beatitudes aren't a list of requirements like a lot of people think, but a description of the life of a people who are gathered around Jesus. That is a sweet, sweet promise. Jesus isn't blowing smoke. He doesn't blow smoke and tell us that it's all going to work out fine to keep our chins up and to think positive amid our pain. Because, of course, it will work out fine in the end when we live with him in paradise. And we can pray for God to work healing and miracles in our lives. Sure, we can. We do it all the time. But we can also call trouble what it is and be blessed in its midst because we have this promise from Jesus 
the very first promise of this Sermon on the Mount. This long sermon, it's a couple chapters in the book of Matthew, is going to give us a lot of law over the next uh, couple of weeks. Pastor Bill is going to be giving us a little bit of law here. Um, and it's going to point its finger right at us. So remember this promise as you listen to the words that are coming up, that the poor in spirit are worthy to participate in the kingdom of heaven, even while we're still poor in spirit. We don't have to wait and die to enter this kingdom. We're promised that we're in the midst of it right now, in our joy and our suffering. And this is very good news. So here we are, hearing Jesus' voice at his feet on the mountain, or listening through this window through the generations. His creative word both tells us we're blessed and makes us blessed. You don't feel blessed? Well, Jesus isn't promising happiness, like I said, regardless of the unfortunate translation in some Bibles. When God blesses us through his son, it's objective. And most often we don't feel it because he proclaims this word, these blessings, when we're down. His objective blessings are found in his word and in the sacraments. They're found in his forgiveness. And how do we know it if we can't feel it? Well, if you put up the next slide, if you've ever studied languages, you might be familiar with this uh, type of, of diagram. God's very name is an active creative verb. I am your God, he says. The verb is to be. I am your God. You are my people. I am, you are, they are. This is God's creative voice, and we can trust it because this is the voice that said, let there be light, and there was, and it was good. This is the voice that tells you, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And you are. This is a voice that says, this is my body, this is my blood, and it is. I am the resurrection and the life. It is finished. This is the voice of the one who died for our sins and was raised for our justification. So when this voice says you're blessed, you can trust that this means Jesus has blessed you with all that he is. Thanks be to God.